1: Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Hello,
1: welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken, joined by David Hartrick, unsurprisingly. How are you doing, Dave?
0: Yeah, not bad, not bad. How are you, mate?
1: Yeah, I'm all right, I'm all right. It's been a tough week, though, hasn't it, for Huddersfield Town? Tough
0: two weeks, really.
1: Yeah, that's it. We covered last week, last week, or rather we covered two weeks ago, last week. Time's difficult, Mm. but uh, we've got last week to cover now two games. The 2-0 defeat at Millwall and the 3-0 defeat at home to Bournemouth. Uh, We'll start with Millwall, obviously. Dave, we expected a tough game at the Den. I don't think we expected town to be quite as poor as they were on the night, though.
0: No, I, I think... We will get into to both games. I, I do think it's worth saying from the outset that I think Millwall slightly had Town's number. I don't think Town played particularly well, but I thought Millwall set up well, perfectly, really, mm-hmm. to play against Town. They did a lot of the things that I think me and you have said on and off air um, that were ways we thought they could hurt Town. They put Scott Malone in the space behind Sorba Thomas, they put a runner on John Russell in midfield, um, they pressed in the right areas and they let certain town players have the ball, basically, is a polite way of putting it. And yeah, I, I thought tactically they really, really did a number on them and it's it, it was a disappointed performance, I'm not going to defend town when I'm saying that, but yeah, before we really get into the nuts and bolts of it, I do think you have to. I have a work colleague who is uh, covers Millwall and analyses Millwall, and he thinks that's the best they've played in, as far as he's concerned, since he started the job four years ago. So I do think you have to slightly, you have to give Millwall a little bit of credit before we get into tearing a strip off town.
1: Yeah, the local press in the in the press room after the game while we we're waiting for the press conferences were talking about this game in the same sort of terms we would talk about the the win at Fulham you know they, they were talking about it as oh I don't know where this has come from <laughs> you know this is the best performance everyone was brilliant um because Millwall have been very defensively solid all season we saw that last time town played them their problem not just this season but over the past few seasons has always been scoring goals but you know Benneka coming back to haunt his former club uh, was, was on top form, but probably wherever you looked over the pitch, I think I've heard about eight different names being thrown out for mm. for praise from people who cover Millwall or town fans who were watching it and were impressed by what Millwall were doing. For all that said, though, obviously we're the Tudus Hill Town podcast, not the Millwall podcast. We're not be a Lion. So we've got a lot of things to talk about in that respect. I thought, for me, we, we've not had much criticism for Carlos Corbrandt for his for his tactical stuff over the past few months in fact we've had almost nothing but praise for what he's done tactically but I thought 3-4-3 turned out to be the wrong shape and I think a 3-4-3 with Jonathan Hogg in it is particularly vulnerable He'd had a poor game against West Brom the week before and and committed some, some silly, not just giving the ball away for, before the West Brom goal, but he'd been a bit sloppy before that as well. And he was the same here. I mean, they did have a good opening 10 minutes or so town. They actually started the game really positively. Uh, and looked to be on top I think all of their best chances really came in that opening 10 minutes nothing sort of you know major that's going to make a massive dent on the XG but they were getting into decent positions they were firing off shots from the edge of the box they were winning corners and then after that they just sort of fell apart I think from what Gary Rowett said after the game I think Millwall was slightly surprised that Town played the three at the back rather than a four at the back they would they'd set up to play uh against a three and I think maybe it took them a little bit of time to to get used to to that surprise that had been sprung on them. But, I mean, well, we need to talk about Hoggy because we talked about him last week. It's since sort of emerged through Carlos Corbrandt. He's been playing through the pain of a, a knee issue. And he actually, from what Corbrand said, Hoggy's effectively removed himself from selection against Bournemouth because... He's looked at how he'd played against West Brom and, and against Millwall and, and decided, actually, I'm hurting the team more than I'm helping them, which I think is sort of to be applauded, to be honest, that, that he's had that level of introspection because we know that he's, you know, he always loves to play when he can, but he had a poor game and, and deserved to go off at half time unfortunately.
0: Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, the... I think if, if if we could sort of piggyback off the hoggy track into the first goal, and obviously the standout moment for for his performance was turning the ball over again, as he had against West Brom with a very simple sort of out ball in midfield, and he just he didn't look sharp, and it was <laughs> we were chatting before we had the teams um, against Bournemouth on Saturday. We were chatting in the press room, and we both said that. Hoggy should probably not start the game realistically and uh, I said to you I I wonder if there might be one explanation that he's struggling with a with an injury um, and so it transpires he has had something in his knee and he he has been playing like that he's not been his usual self has he? he's not he's no. not had the same level of sort of bite into tackles and he's just not had the sort of usual level of spatial awareness which if you're struggling a little bit with your mobility is is completely understandable so yeah I, I'm like you, I think in the 3-4-3 three, three, I, I don't think you can play hoggy in it um, because it, it, you've got a back line of three who are all fairly central. You don't necessarily need a Jonathan Hogg in front of them mind-sweeping. You, you, you can end up just confusing the situation, if I'm brutally honest. Um, so, yeah, it's, the other thing is about Hoggy is like it's very easy to forget the way he plays, the amount of work he gets through, what he's like at his absolute best. Uh, you know he's the wrong very much the wrong side of 30 now he is mm-hmm. going to get these knocks and these injuries and we are getting to a point where realistically he can't start every game i'm sure he would be the first to tell you that himself as well because that's his that's his personality so yeah it was it was interesting i think that he effectively removed himself from selection and i think it, it's potentially one of the most Jonathan hogg things i've ever heard yeah
1: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're not sort of. We think. I think both of us think Jonathan Hogg has a huge part to play for Dusthill Town, both on and off oh, the pitch.
0: Yeah, massive. Yeah,
1: but yeah, I think he. You know, he's he's had a poor couple of weeks, which which happens to to every player. Um, but yeah, I think specifically in that three four three, as you say, he's his natural inclination is often to sort of drop back and try and quarterback from between two defenders. He can't do that if he's playing in a three because, you know, there's there's already someone there. He's he's effectively stepping on someone's toes if he does that. And the other thing is that he wants to have as many options as possible ahead of him. And we know he likes the balls out to the flanks. You've already mentioned that Millwall did an excellent job sort of tactically, and I think they will have seen that they needed to get on Harry Toffolo and get on Silber Thomas and stop them from playing. And then you've got another man either a forward or a midfielder that's not really a midfielder, that's not ahead of Hoggy because he's got three mm-hmm. men behind him. So I think when you've got a player who is carrying a knock, who we know from what we saw against Bournemouth, a lot of this squad are feeling the sort of the mental and physical fatigue on top of that. Mm. And he's playing in a system that he, he doesn't particularly like playing and you're going to get errors like that. So I think we can explain it. Um, but obviously it was hugely costly costly Tuddersfield Town and you know it's it's not just Jonathan Hogg's fault either because there was a a second error that compounded it from Tom Lees which was really poor and sort of (laughs) was foreshadowing for what happened against Bournemouth.
0: I Yeah I I don't even think it was just that I, I mean where Mill will pick the ball up they're in their own half it's not like Town haven't got enough time to reset and they've got four men behind the ball um Lees has a chance to make a challenge or to get a meaningful touch on the ball and sort of he gets caught on the turn and just makes the wrong decision basically because of Fobi's first touch he's actually pretty poor um so there's one error there, but then I think what compounds it more than anything is the ball goes out wide to Mason Bennett then. Again, it's not a particularly brilliant pass. Pearson makes the right decision to go out and try and get the block and gets the block, but Lees and Colwell have dropped to the edge of the six-yard box instead of picking the runners up on the edge of the box. And John Russell actually runs straight by benneka literally runs straight by him. Into no man's land, and it left two Millwall players. As Pearson blocks that ball, there's two Millwall players in acres of space on the edge of the box and it it's just it's just a sort of collective mental failure really because you know picking up a midfield runner picking up a <laughs> picking up the main striker somebody should be closer than that and town just caught completely square with all of them on the six yard box phobia has time to take a touch on the edge of the box which isn't great and then pick his spot as they Basically panic and charge you out to try and block it, and uh, yeah, I I think obviously a lot of people were like, "Well, Hogg's given the ball away," but I think there was time and opportunity to stop that happening. It was it, it, not a great goal to concede at all.
1: No, and I don't think we would be highlighting Hogg so much if he hadn't already had a, a couple of those earlier in the game. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's worth saying. But yeah, it's it's a poor goal. Some people were criticising Lee Nichols, or so, but I saw, but. I don't well, think he's, he's, he's unsighted can, yeah. because
0: the because basically because there's there's Russell Colwell and Lees who are now panicking. Pearson's down, clutching his gentleman's area, bless him, that he's just blocked the shot with. They they all come charging out. Lee Nichols can't see anything, and he takes a step to his right to try and get a view of where the ball's going to end mm. up, and. He just can't get across in time. I I don't I don't think there's much more he could do really. You know, it's it's if you allow a really good striker a shot from the edge of the box and he's got a portion of the goal to aim for, he will find
1: it. That's it. And the second goal is obviously a set piece, and Town have not just been good at scoring set pieces this season; they've generally been good at defending them as well. But they were pretty pretty woeful on this one, mm. unfortunately. Uh, talk us through this one, Dave.
0: Well, I my main I think we need to talk about the substitution because, like they they majored on it on the TV coverage after it is unusual to see that substitution of a central defender made on a set piece like this. You don't often see it, but I'm not quite as negative as somewhere. I saw a lot of people saying, "Oh, it was naive and it was," you know, Pearson would have competed for that ball and cleared it away. I don't really hold with that. I think the main issue with that set piece is a phobie does what it's the root, it's the thing Rude van Lisselrooy started actually, which is where the striker stands offside at the free kick and then he can make a judgment about getting back onside or just waiting for the defence to drop back to his position, effectively playing him on. And again, nobody at any point picks him up, nobody in the move picks him up, and it's not like he makes some. Brilliant run, or drops off into a different position. He just stands still. <laughs> he mm-hmm. stands still, and then takes two steps two yards back, anticipating the fact that Turton's not going to win that ball, and and Lee's is is hopefully going to drop it in his direction. Um, and he and he does, and it was, yeah. Again, it, it's just it's mental fatigue, isn't it, Steve? In my mm-hmm. opinion, it's it's because we've not seen Town do anything like that for so long that it just feels like a collective uh, oh god what have we done at moment and i what's your view on the sub
1: what's your view on the sub first (sighs) When I was at uni, we we had a mate who was a West Ham fan, and he'd once been at a game where the manager took off a defender at a corner and the person in front of him in the stands went tactically naive. And so every time we saw a manager do it on TV, we would all go tactically naive. Just wanted to mention that for for (laughs) starters. But I don't know. We talked about it. Someone, one of the Millwall writers brought this up and said it's the kind of... And I agree with him, to be honest. It's the kind of thing that pundits love to bring up that I'm not actually sure that makes a huge amount of mm. difference. Particularly when you consider that they they go through, you know, Oli Turton would have gone through that laminated book just before he came on. There's no issue with, like, Ollie Turton has been fine in the air this season in general. Mm. And there shouldn't be any issue with the the marking as a result of having brought that substitute on.
0: Yeah, there's, there's no way that you make the sub and that, sub means that nobody is suddenly on the main striker is there yeah, somebody yeah. E- even when he's standing offside he's still somebody's man he's still somebody's responsibility
1: yeah exactly I, I mean Carlos Corbrand did after the game when we asked him about it he did say that he knew that taking off Pearson would leave them more vulnerable to set pieces but he felt that what they were doing on the ball wasn't working so it was a risk he basically had to take really I'm um, where I question it is slightly is taking Pearson off because I think he's been he maybe was the town defender wasn't he on the he's day on. yeah I think he's actually been apart from Lee Nichols town's best player over the past few weeks I think him and Danny Ward are probably the only ones that have really avoided looking like they they have that fatigue that they have that you know that that tiredness in them that that mental uh, wear and tear if you want to call it that I think he's sort of the one who's actually looked really good so I might have t- I don't know I think I would have been t- tempted to have taken off Tom Lees or or, or Levi Colwell and left Pearson on because I thought on the day he was having a good game as well against against Millwall and I, I thought he was also one of the only players to emerge in the Bournemouth game with much credit as well so that's the only sort of thing I have on it but I don't really have a major question with the timing because it's like well do you assume that you're gonna never concede a set piece in the rest of the game? You know, if mm. if that if that set piece goes in 90 seconds later, I think we're probably not talking about the timing of the subs. So, yeah. I- other people have different opinions on it like that's fine um but and you know obviously the people the people on sky that were saying it are former players themselves so you know i suppose you have to trust that that they perhaps know what they're talking about better than we it, do
0: it's like an assumed truth isn't it it's like one yeah, of those things that everyone's that it. you never you never take a defender off at a set piece and nobody ever sort of questions why and i think if you if you're if Corbyn feels he needs to change the shape and he, they need to do better on the on the ball he's entitled to take him off whenever because like the closest to a phobia was danny ward and it was danny ward who reacted quickest and tried to get there somebody other than Danny Ward should have been on Millwall's main striker you're not telling me that it was it it sowed that much chaos and it wouldn't have been Pearson because Pearson would have been competing for the ball so somebody switched off and somebody didn't pick up their man so yeah I don't know I can't there are a lot of people I think got quite excited about it because it they really did major on it on the TV coverage, but I think mm. they majored on it because they had Neil Harrison, who is a football manager, and he is bless him quite a
1: old school football manager. He, so he think, wasn't even that; he was let the less critical about it. To be honest, yeah. it was Joby McEnough that was that was going in on it. Yeah, so uh,
0: yeah, I yeah I I don't think. I don't think Hoggy's pass was the reason for the first goal. I think it is part of it, but not the main reason. And I don't think the substitute was the main reason for the second goal either. But I thought Town... They really, second half, they really struggled. I mean, and it Mm -hmm. was quite simple stuff. Putting Scott Malone in that space out wide behind Sorba Thomas and being brave enough to, to let him stay behind... Like he had the most touches of anyone on the pitch, Malone. And he looked like a world beater. And I can tell you I've watched a lot of Scott Malone and Huddersfield town fans will remember Scott Malone. He is not a world beater. And again He's having a
1: really good season by other counts, to be
0: fair. He oh he is. He is. But, you know, if you were to say, Okay, would you mm. would you put him back in the town side tomorrow? No, you you wouldn't. So I I just, it was disappointing to see really simple things hurt town a lot. And it, as I said, we've just not seen that since, like, November, you know, it, November or before. So it did feel disappointing, but the, the key thing from that game was, okay, the run's over you've got beaten you've got to gather yourselves together because there's a huge challenge coming on Saturday and uh, yeah we need to get into that game really because I I would say that was a worse performance if I'm
1: honest yeah would you have put Dwayne Holmes on Scott Malone just for Holmes Malone Stephen um yeah I thought Lewis O'Brien and and Dwayne Holmes behind Ward didn't really work either I I don't I don't particularly like Lewis O'Brien out wide in truth um It feels a uh, waste, doesn't it? Well, for me, you want his running from deep, not not sort of either playing on the wing or or sitting or waiting in the number ten position to receive a pass.
0: I I always think about certain things. I always think about how would an opposition opposition manager feel about it. And I think if you're an opposition manager, do you want Lewis O'Brien out wide where you can double up on him, or do you want him running at you through the centre? And I think you always want him shoved wide, don't you? So I think you're slightly playing into the opposition manager's hands, really. Um, So, yeah, I'm with you. I don't like him there
1: particularly. Yeah, but no, you're right. Bournemouth was... We'll go on to Bournemouth. It was really poor performance. Wanted to see a response. You know, I think you and I both would have thought... I think, well, we discussed it before the game and we both said we wanted something like Sheffield United, really, Mm. where we knew a, a win was unlikely but we wanted to see a performance you know at least something to suggest that town were going to be competitive that they can compete you know being able to compete with the second best team in the division would have been at least a bit of a show yeah that they can go into you know not everyone's going to be as good as Bournemouth despite their recent uh wobbles although I know you have views on that <laughs> um yes and and instead we just we almost got sort of a a carbon copy of a game really mm. I mean actually before we move on to Bournemouth I just we need to give a shout out to Lee Nichols once again because I think people will be screaming if we don't um because Millwall did uh, Corbram was right about the the threat from set pieces if he took off a defender and Millwall created loads of chances and and I think town it an awful lot to Lee Nichols that that game wasn't three four five now the
0: the what the say from the header was it, like the closest I could think it was a very different situation but was the Seaman save from Paul Basculido in the FA Cup semi-final where mm. he just claws it from a like an impossible position you know it's a goal <laughs> it's a goal it's going in and then I think the second one that a, a lot of people at first didn't realise he'd got fingertips on it Um, just and again just an outstanding save and it's funny how the, the criticism, it wasn't a criticism, but the thing that was slightly tempering our assessments of Lee Nichols about six weeks ago was, yeah, he's really, really good. His stats are phenomenal, but can you name that save he's made that has definitely saved a point or saved a game or turned a game? And since then, in nearly every game, he's had <laughs> one save that has just been an absolute goal saving save so yeah he's he's just incredible absolutely and incredible
1: and you're on record as saying he definitely should be England's number one goalkeeper
0: <sighs> yeah yeah let's go with that no the but the <coughs> right to clarify that <laughs> And it did get mentioned on Sky, which was nice. I wasn't saying Nichols should play for England. It was it was just a comparison piece to Sam Johnson, who went to the Euros, West Brom's keeper, and has been capped twice um, whilst in the second tier. He was crapped twice in October. And saying, if Sam Johnson gets in that England squad on merit... His stats are nothing like Nichols this season, so Nichols can't be a million miles off. It was
1: not that I thought he should go <laughs> in the squad, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, I think the three that are that well that were in the squad before Ramsdale dropped out are you know they're all premier league regulars and have been for a while now um pickford pope and, and ramsdale you know i don't think you can you can put him in ahead of them but once you look past them
0: John, the other thing not to not to talk about this too much but the other thing about southgate is he does like a player who's been through the england system yeah, and johnson has obviously been through every youth level um and got, he, he he likes players who sort of understand going away, being in an England squad, what it's all about, putting the shirt on, etc. So that is why he's in there. But that wasn't the point of the piece.
1: <laughs> Bournemouth then. Uh, yeah. No, as I say, it was a, nearly a carbon copy of the, the the Millwall game. Decent first ten minutes. They were all right. They were in the game. EA Sports. And, mm-hmm. and then it sort of... It, it falls apart and it really, really reminded me, I think I said this on the Facebook live afterwards, the game it reminded me of most was the 3-0 away to Bournemouth yeah. um, and oh, it's so disappointing because I sort of led the conclusions of this but Carlos Colbran said back in October when they lost 3-0 at Bournemouth, we want to be competitive with every team in the division and at the time that seemed all, like and he meant including Fulham and Bournemouth and at the time that seemed almost like fanciful, sort of long term mm. ambition and sort of over the unbeaten run, and particularly after beating Fulham, it became it was sort of oh, actually they can be like there's no reason they can't be. They're there. So for them to then go back and put in a similar level of performance, very similar stats, same scoreline against the same opposition that they did five months ago, really just confirms sort of what a backward step town have taken over the past couple of weeks which is Mm. obviously very concerning going into the final seven games of the season
0: yeah just a word on Bournemouth so we make a couple of caveats before we get into town's performance but you know obviously you have got a squad there worth north of 75 million quid they have got a load of Premier League players in there let's let's be honest but uh, there are ways the, the, these are all the things and the caveats we can make before the Fulham game and we we know yeah, what exactly. happened there we were talking before off the record and me and you were both saying if town lose 2-0 we can say okay yeah it's Bournemouth just put in a performance just have a you know have a bit of fight and me and you would both go broadly that's fine the problem is like you say they were I mean, I hate to use the word, but I think they were they were outclassed on the day in yeah, nearly every completely. position, and that is not something we've been able to say, you know, in in any game. Town's whole mantra this season has been about being on a level playing field and and constantly punching up, and yeah, that just we've not we've not had a game like that this season. You called it exactly right, apart from. <laughs> Bournemouth away because that Fulham 5-1 earlier in the season was a very new team getting used to each other and making some silly mistakes it wasn't and half of them out with Covid as well yeah and half of them out with Covid it wasn't like this and I think the other slightly disappointing thing which we need to get into is that I, I think there was just second half I wouldn't I'd never accuse footballers of giving up and I don't think that's something that happens footballers by their competitive nature can't give up but second half the game just retreated into a pattern and town just let it they didn't really they didn't really throw a punch at them until Karoma came on and livened it up a bit and That was disappointing because there was a good 15 minutes of that second half where just nothing happened and you think you're 3-0 down at home. Let's have a challenge, you know, let's have a sliding tackle from someone. Let's have something that just gets a little bit of life back on, on the pitch. And again, that hasn't happened all season either.
1: No, third goal obviously killed them. You know, they come out and within a minute, it's it's three nil. solanke has got a ridiculous record against Town. Yeah. Since they've been in the Championship together, it's six goals and two assists in four appearances for him. He was he was just oh, running man the of show. The match. Yeah, oh, man of the yeah. match
0: by a long way. Yeah, but they, I think we probably need to get into the the goals and what have you. The the first goal is a it, it's a really good move. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it's fine to say that a really good side will spot your weaknesses and, and play to them. But it's 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 the Sorba Thomas thing again. They they put a man behind Sorber Thomas, they put Jaden Anthony behind Sorba Thomas and he just had so much space on yeah. that side. It's Tomorrow not a, was
1: overlapping as well.
0: Yeah. I saw some people blaming Turton and it was like, Yeah, but Turton's man was billing. Central and if Turton mm-hmm. had had gone wider, had turned around and gone wider to, to go for Anthony, then that would have left Billing on the penalty spot with absolutely nobody within six feet of him. So, yeah, it, it, was, that, it was that thing about putting a man behind Sorber again that really hurt them for that first goal.
1: He's been really poor defensively the last two games, Sorber Thomas. I think you and I have praised him and said that he's been having a, a really good run. And unfortunately, well, I think this week, to do and he's well, worked well, do, does does your iPhone disagree with this analysis? Or?
0: Quite clearly. IPhone's, iPhone's a Leeds fan, I think. <laughs>
1: um, but, um, no, Silver Thomas has, has been poor defensively the last couple of games. He's, he's just been off it. And, again, one of those players who... He he is always so full of energy, so full of fight. So to see him struggling like he has over the last couple mm. of games, Tom Lee struggling like he has, O'Brien, I thought, had a... a Poor game against Bournemouth. Um, pretty much everyone did, in truth, as as you say, I, I think, except for, for Matty Pearson. And when he came on, Josh Cromer at least looked a, a bit bright. But I think everyone else was, was reasonably poor. Bournemouth, again much like Millwall, tactically just had Town's number. I didn't disagree with him playing the 4-4-2. Uh, I thought he should have gone 4-4-2, no. which almost played as the first sort of 15 minutes it became apparent Sinani was basically it almost became a 4-2-3-1 because Sinani was, uh, was basically cutting off the passing lane to Lewis Cook. You watched Sinani, which I did for a little bit, every five seconds he was checking over his shoulder to see where Lewis Cook was and I think the, the plan was probably to stop stop the service to Solanke more than stopping mm. Solanke. But because they failed to do that, it meant that whenever they did get into the town third there were massive problems there. Mm. Um you know that they they forced Tom Lees out of position a number of times. He, again he struggled, I thought, in this game. Um got pulled out of position on the first goal which created the massive gap and meant Turton ended up Pearson ended up coming across to compensate Turton ends up covering mm. two men. Um they just they 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 played perfectly against this system. Unfortunately, Bournemouth. Yeah,
0: they, this was it. I mean, Totten got a little bit of criticism, but he just constantly had two men running at him, and it was. Yeah, it, there were other people on the pitch who found themselves in a similar situation where it constantly felt like they had Bournemouth Russell, had a man instance. over, and I just. I, it, again what's really disappointing without repeating ourselves is these are not things that Town do this season they they Mm. are things they did in nearly every game last season and we were constantly criticising them for the same things and the first goal is just a man behind Sorba Thomas And a couple of incisive passes that just take the defence out. The second goal I think you have to look at. We'll talk about the error in a second. But if you look at the move before that. It's just a really simple one too. And it it literally takes out four town players. Mm. And you think well. You know again. That's just not something that happens this season. They don't get caught square to that degree. And. Again, it just points towards mental and physical fatigue for me. If I'm honest, it points towards mental more than anything because yeah, they're just is. not they're just not thinking about the the patterns and the drills that they have have worked so well this season. Yeah. Um, and it like the third goal, you come out after half-time, you should be on it, even if you're two nil down, because one goal changes that game. And I know it's Bournemouth, etc., but. Lerma picks the ball up in midfield and and runs 20-25 yards without any sort of challenge Billing just runs in a straight line literally just runs in a straight line and by the time he's got the second pass to cross cross it in the finish from Solanke is incredible. It's a wonderful finish. But yes. Colwell's got the wrong side of him for one thing. But also behind, Lerma has just continued his run in a straight line. And he's he's literally just behind her. There's nobody within six yards of him. So if Solanke doesn't finish, Lerma is is just there for a tap in behind him. And again, it's just it's the simple things, isn't it? It's the simple things. But Tom Lee's had a, a, a bit of a shocker for 45 yeah, minutes, didn't he? Did.
1: he? And... <laughs> We asked Carlos Corbran why he took him off, obviously knowing that he'd had a a poor game. We prefaced it with that. We weren't trying to trap him. Um, But he... You know, he said he wanted a right-footer, left left-footer because he felt that their playing out from the back had been poor, which was true. But, I mean, <laughs> come on. I think if Lees hadn't had such a poor half, there's no way he gets taken off um, in a like-for-like change at half-time. He, and, and again, this is this is where I just can't get away from We keep using the word fatigue, but I think it's true. They look jaded. And when you've got mm. even experienced, reliable players, you know, who are Towns' most reliable players? It's Tom Lees, Lewis O'Brien, you know. Yeah and they they had poor games but you know carlos corberan's analysis of it was uh that his team were taking too many risks on the ball and and sort of not calculating the risks properly and again fatigue isn't it mental fatigue he said you know they were choosing the wrong moments to go high risk and playing balls that were sort of high risk high reward and because their fine details were wrong you know Mm -hmm. Sanani had eight touches in the first half. When I looked yeah. at it, I think Holmes had eleven something in that region. And there were, you know, I turned to someone. Uh, I think it was towards the end of the first half. Town got a throw in. It wasn't in a particularly great area or anything. It was just inside the Bournemouth half. Uh, and Toffolo took it, and they ended up playing it straight back out for a Bournemouth throw. Yeah, and and I think that just sort of sums the whole thing up because Carlos Corbrand, Whenever you come to him with a big picture thing like. This run of form, this, you know, conceding in minute X or scoring in minute Y, anything sort of broad trend like that, he'll always sort of bat it away and say, I don't look at those things. It's kind of irrelevant to me. I'm interested in the small details. Everything is small details. And he's used several examples of of that, you know, things like uh, Danny Ward winning that header in, uh, before he scored his his fourth, the, the fourth goal against Reading to complete his hat-trick, you know, he was saying, you know, that header is as important to that move as anything else, and that was just a simple, routine header off a long ball, but without that header, they don't score. So, he's he's obsessed with these fine details, and it's in these fine details that they are they are going wrong, and, you know, when they took that throw in, I, that, I turned to someone and said, Carlos will be doing his nuts at that, yeah. Um, because he always talks. That's another thing he always talks about is we were poor in our throwings. Um, you know, he's he's that particular. And all those details were just wrong. Um, you and a couple of other people were, were wondering whether they should have gone a bit more um, rugged in their approach. Shall we say?
0: I don't. I don't think it's a question of physicality. I think they could have just gone a little bit uglier. I think played. I I think. I, I'm not against the four-four-two against Bournemouth. The problem was, I think it left. They hadn't addressed that gap behind Thomas, and it hurt them on the first goal. And as soon as the first goal went in, there was a real sense of inevitability about the game. Yeah, yeah. I think what they could have done is, at some point, switch to more of a true five at the back because they really were struggling defensively. And I think. I'm not saying it would have bought anything from the game, if I'm brutally honest, but I think they could have gone a bit uglier, kept their shape a bit, and maybe seen out a 2-0 defeat and we would have sat here and gone, yeah, it was disappointing. Poor half an hour cost them, but, you know, they managed to stay tight. And that just didn't really happen. And I think I think you're exactly right, actually. I think the problem is at the moment is that when you have a manager like Carlos Corberan who... When we say fine detail, you you really need to understand that he breaks down every aspect of the game. He you know like Michael Heffley talked on TV about how meticulous his preparation is. Other players have talked about how intense it is, and he. There are players there that just like to be told what to do and do it, and the problem is you break all these things down into little boxes when you've got something that's not quite working you can go to that box and address it and deal with it and at the moment the problem is over the last couple of days nearly every box has had an issue so it suddenly becomes lots a minor issue suddenly becomes a major one because you have lots of minor issues to sort and it just felt it just felt like everybody was just slightly off it and I think maybe simplifying it and And going a little bit ugly. I I don't, as I say, when I say ugly, it's not about being physical and starting to sharpen your elbows and flying into tackles. It's just more about not giving any space away and just staying in a line and almost not. (laughs) I say it's doing what they did against West Brom. Okay, which Mm -hmm. I know you weren't there for that game, Steve. But what they Mm -hmm. did is they got the goal and second half they essentially had to, to switch to basically like a back five but also with two midfielders almost making it a back seven at times just to try and block channels off, to try and stop space and just to make it as difficult as possible for anyone to get through and I think there was an argument that you you could have done that but I think also there is a flip side to that which is Carlos Corbin has his principles he has yeah. a way he wants them to play, and I have absolutely no issue with a manager who doesn't compromise. Because you know, ultimately, town went unbeaten for 17 league games. They are, they were third in the table. They were at one point legitimately in the race for second. They are still fourth in the table. You know, so I, I am. While I think it, nobody could have argued if they'd decided to do that, I'm certainly not. You know, baby out with a bar bathwater. So they should have gone to a back seven and just started kicking people you know
1: yeah i think there's a i don't know i think there's something in the the dna of huddersfield and maybe it's having played further down the division for so long i'm not sure but there's definitely something in the town fan that the moment anything goes wrong a lot of town fans will go right go long ball um, you know i was about to say go 442 they're actually saying don't go 442 in this case but you know <laughs> Go back to you know get rid of the tippy tappy crap as uh, as said at at Reading uh, last week.
0: But I mean, they haven't got a squad built to do that. That's the issue.
1: And also, they, as you say, they've gone seventeen games unbeaten, Mm. playing this certain way. You know, like it's not like last season where last season they had to do that because and and the season before as well. You know, the Cowleys were the right appointment for that reason. And last season they had to adapt and. And you know, bring in Yaya Snogo and play that long ball and grind out draws for a bit because they just needed to stop losing. And it was the right thing to do then. But it's not the right thing to do. No. You know, they beat Fulham playing exactly this sort of system. They played the four four two against Fulham. They played. They beat Forest playing the four four two. They drew at Blackburn nil nil when Blackburn were actually scoring goals and lots of them um, playing the four four two. And the fundamentals haven't changed all season. So I'm not attaching anything to Corbrand on this one in terms of approach or tactics. What I do think you need to look at, and this is almost a reflexive thing for me, is <laughs> this is my reflex. If town fans' reflexes simplify it, then my reflexes look at different personnel. But, you know, th- this month, the four league games town have played this month, Carlos Corbran has used 12 different outfielders, and one of them, Levi Colwell, has only played one game, only started one game I should say and that is the least rotation that he's had at any point this season. You know you look at previous months he started 14 outfielders, 16 outfielders, 15 outfielders and this is just the league I'm talking about. I'm not even counting any cup games here. The only time he's really significantly rotated was against Forest and I know that there were a few players who didn't do themselves any favors in in that game, and I'm thinking specifically of, of Pippa and Josh Ruffles <laughs> there. But we've seen, and I know that Carroll Lighten's had that that foot injury that kept him out against Millwall. But we've seen very little of Carroll basically since he signed. We've seen uh, almost nothing out of Josh Coroma the past few weeks. You know, there's there's players there that he can use, and again, you know, Pippa's had injury problems on and off but there's other players he can use you know he didn't even start Jordan Rhodes against Forest, mm. and after Forrest we spoke to Carlos Gorbran and asked about the rotation and asked if it was partly down to giving a rest to players who might need it and he said not just that but also getting minutes into players who need minutes as well it's like but well then <laughs> why haven't you used them in subsequent games in that mm. case um feels a bit strange to me I think it's a, it's an old habit of Korberan's that he seems yeah. to fall back on now and then isn't it, it?
0: This is how he blew the squad up last season, lest we forget. Because, After
1: Bournemouth, really.
0: Yeah, because he played that same eleven to the point where he ended up blowing a few of them up in January and February because they'd just run into the red zone. And I do, as you said, I think it's... I, I, know, <laughs> I know we're not allowed to say the B word but it's quite a Bielsa thing to have a sort of really core group of like 12 mm-hmm. to 13 players that you just play sort of relentlessly. And I do, like he said in his press conference on Friday, which I did, that they, the the running stats against Millwall were really, really high and they'd had no reward. I think he said, if I I'd have to go back and listen to it, I think he actually said that they'd collectively run further against Millwall than any other side this season he also mentioned in the press conference after the bournemouth game that how far they'd run against Millwall, and in mm-hmm. his own words they'd had no reward and, and he geez. also
1: bro- he also brought up how bournemouth had an extra day's recovery and so they yeah. had to they had to be perfect to get a result as a result of that he really doesn't like playing on uh, on a saturday when the other teams had uh, no. an extra day's recovery he always mentions about that
0: so uh, like if you're sitting on that knowledge I don't think it's reflexive to say you know you might need to change a couple because there was like a there was a real distinct lack of energy and when you're saying that about like I'm not picking on people here but when you look at John Russell he's not a footballer whose game is built on energy so you wouldn't look at him and say okay there's any massive difference there but when you look at when you can say that about a Harry Toffolo and a Lewis O'Brien and even a Danny Ward who I thought was was not at his usual high pressing, stopping the out the easy outboard to midfield self, then you clearly have a bit of a fatigue issue and the international break really can't <laughs> couldn't have come at a better time. Um I know Town are losing a few to international football who won't get a break and I'm sort of thinking about Sorber Thomas more than anyone there. Mm. But there are other players in that squad who who desperately look like they need a couple of days of light training and a couple of days off um, before getting back into it and cranking it back up next week before the whole game Um, and it can't can't really be overestimated that because Town's whole season has been built on organisation, fitness, running miles in every game through their pressing and when you lose that they, mm. it, it's a huge. Doesn't really matter tactically what you do. You if you sort of undercut everything that you've built your season on up until that point, does it?
1: That's it. I mean, yeah, exactly. So making just two changes, one of which was forced by injury, you know, removing Hogg is. I don't know when you've got. As I say, when you've got players of the quality they've got waiting in waiting on the yeah. bench. I,
0: this is an open question, actually. Just sorry to cut you off, but I, I'm genuinely interested. Um, town fans listening to this have you ever had a stronger bench than that on saturday because i was having this debate with a couple of people and they were going back to the promotion season and some were going back a little bit earlier but that that bench was what was it it was blackman pippa and uh colwell colwill I think, I think. Coroma and Rhodes. I, I can't ever remember a stronger Huddersfield Town bench than that. So I'm just interested. If anyone can think of a stronger bench than that, I'm genuinely interested to know.
1: Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, the sort of the mitigation here is obviously we don't see what happens in training. For all we know, player X or player Y has been strolling around the training ground picking daisies all week, you know? So. Carlos Corbrand always says he picks the best team, the team he thinks can give the best performance. But I do think that it's something to sort of bear in mind going into the international break. And I would almost gather the players around on Monday morning. I put this in the conclusions as well, but gather the players around on Monday morning and say, right, season starts here. You've got a chance to impress me. If you do well over these two weeks, then you're in the side against Hull, basically.
0: Oh, you're such a proper football man,
1: but I think they need to because they they do need to freshen it up. they look yeah, like they're I, I they're agree. they're short of you know not just the fatigue but you know they've got seven more games to come, and they need new ideas as well you know they they look <laughs> yeah. really short on ideas in both games we've you know we've spent so much time talking about the the defensive side of the game of the two games today because (laughs) there's almost nothing to say about them in attack you know the the, they've they've created practically nothing in in both games and you know obviously the two things are related Carlos Corbran always says that you know if you you can't if you can't get things going in your own half and play out then you're not going to create chances and you're going to concede chances and I think we've seen that in Mm. in both games but I think you and I are obviously a little bit more detached obviously than than a lot of fans and people are sort of worried about the is the playoff place at risk now? I think obviously it is at risk now. Uh, it's it's not been you know, one point from the last three games has, has put a massive dent in what looked like to be sort of cruising to a to a finish. You know, three needing Three, four wins from seven games is a big, much bigger ask than needing three, four wins from 10 games. Mm. But I don't think you and I are as doom and gloom about it as some people are. Um, for one thing, yeah, you've got those, that really, really hard run of games against Luton, who are still flying up into third now. QPR, who are dropping off quite significantly. They lost at Peterborough on, uh, two mm-hmm. Peterborough, I should say, on Sunday. And, and then Middlesbrough, who are obviously challenging for that playoff spot as well. Put in a very respectable performance against Chelsea at the weekend. That is a really tough run against. But in amongst that, you've also got Hull, who have got nothing to play for this season. You've got Barnsley, who might have nothing to play for by the time you play them if Reading keep picking up points. You've got Coventry, who looks like will probably have nothing to play for, and Bristol City. So those are four very winnable games. I think there's genuinely a chance that you could lose two. they could have another week like this against Luton, QPR and Middlesbrough where you get one point from three and still end up in the playoffs by winning the other games I think in reality it's not going to be as simple as that Hmm. you're not going to win all the games you expect to win you're probably not going to lose all the games you expect to lose either but you know the season's not done yet I think we're there's there's a bit of doom and gloom and a bit of a feeling that they oh this is it they're definitely going to drop now but I don't think that's necessarily the case
0: no it's always been really really tight in the playoffs and It's something we've sort of alluded to on this podcast, and we've certainly talked a lot about between us is that town of I I wouldn't describe it as luck, but town really have you know, there's been a lot of weekends where results have gone town's way. Um, You know, town have won and everyone around them has lost, town have drawn and everybody around them has lost. It's there was always going to be a couple of periods where results didn't go that way and people got right back on their tail and this is where you have to have what danny cowley would have called the minerals this is where you have to have the the mentality since i've heard minerals (laughs)
1: i've forgotten about mineral
0: um you this is where you've got to have the the mentality and the the bravery to get yourself over the line i i think my honest read on it is that you shouldn't forget that a lot of the teams around town are going to cannibalise each other because they've got games against yes. each other, which helps enormously. Fulham I and think, Bournemouth
1: play a lot of them as well.
0: Yeah. I think you've got other sides in that mix who feel like they have a little bit of something to prove before the end of the season, like West Brom, who have got quite a few of these sides to play. Um, I, I don't think it's all doom and goom, but what I do think is that town have really got to get back to doing the things that made them successful they've they've got to get back to like it sounds simplistic to say just get back to basics because nothing that Carlos Corbyn does is particularly basic but they have to get back to the sort of core tenets of of what got them to this position they need to do it quickly and I do genuinely think like a week's rest a week out of the spotlight will actually serve them incredibly well um, yeah
1: um, and if they if they come back against Hull and play like that again we'll have a <laughs> yeah. let's be honest yeah but but yeah I think we're both sort of hopeful that, that that those two weeks will be very restorative and we should see Huddersfield Town playing more like the Huddersfield Town we know the other thing I think it's worth saying is this is still even if town do drop off and finish eighth obviously that's going to be massively disappointing for everyone because you know after that run and particularly in the 80th minute at West Brom Mm. by the way I asked Carlos Corbrand do you think that West Brom result um knocked your side expecting a no and he basically went well yeah maybe you never know um that's another thing by the way I'm going to get up on my soapbox again I've seen people saying they think the forest game uh, was responsible for, for this. I disagree entirely, particularly when you see how they played for those first 80 minutes against West Brom. That didn't look like a team that had been sort of knocked knocked in their confidence. They looked absolutely fine. And it was only when that penalty went against them that they, you know, and then obviously West Brom subsequently got the equaliser. That, that, that's for me, is when things started falling apart rather than Forrest. But the other thing, <laughs> I've seen people saying, uh, that refereeing decision, that penalty given against West Brom, that is responsible for uh, for Town losing these games. And right, okay, maybe it's knocked their confidence a bit. That result, <laughs> I would say, as we said last week, that that penalty only made it two-one. Didn't make it two-all. Mm. Town still had a chance to win that game, and they didn't because they weren't at full concentration. The other thing is that if your confidence is that easily knocked by a single refereeing decision going against you. And don't at me saying it's not the first one, because I know it's not. But if your confidence is that easily not by a refereeing decision going against you, then you don't deserve to get promoted. You don't deserve to be in the Premier League. And let's not forget that the last major sort of officiating catastrophe that Town had go against them was Sheffield United, and the following week they went and beat Fulham. So... I'm just not having any of these arguments, to be honest. I, I, I I'm not on board with it.
0: While you're while you're in a rant mood, I, I'm gonna ask you a question here. You've got two weeks now of an international break. Town have had a very disappointing couple of weeks. Hull is coming up. You can put all your trust in getting back to like the, the sort of fundamentals that serve them well and certain players having a rest. What is the area of the team you change though? What is the the one, per? if you had to gun to your head,
1: one personnel change, what is it? I really want Pippa to be back at his best but he hasn't been all season so Mm. I don't think we can count on that but I think he could, if we had Pippa playing like he did last season and I know he struggled with injuries so you know there's some mitigation there but if you had Pippa playing well and not sort of wandering around doing whatever he wants like he did against Forest he could make a huge huge difference um but I think they need to decide what they're doing defensively to be honest and I think maybe bringing Levi Colwell back in for Tom Lees and playing I don't think the back three I think the back three has served its purpose I don't think I would particularly use a back three anymore. I think I would be looking at bringing Colwell in for Lees. And we had this debate, we've been back and forth on it, and I, th- I think it was the right thing to do to keep Pearson and Lees together because they had played so well. But I think now that they've had Lees has had a couple of poor games and Town have been so poor on the ball the last couple of games, I think it might be time to look at bringing Colwell back in just because he is a bit better at getting the play going. And you know I think he's as good defensively when he's playing well as Tom Lees. Um uh and yeah i think those are the two really because i don't really want to see saw thomas playing at wing back again to be honest Mm -hmm. not not at the moment after those two games how about you uh
0: i think they've got a midfield issue i i think they need to find a way to get so i've said every
1: position except midfield have
0: i yeah (laughs) i i the thing is we don't know what hog's going to be like in a couple of weeks and Mm. um He's not at his best. I think you've got to get Lewis in as an eight. I I speaking to Carlos yeah. in Friday's press conference, and we spoke about Lewis and how good he's been. And he said, you know, that's an eight is clearly where he does his best work. I think Russell has struggled um, the last few games. And I, I think it may be time to, to think about pulling him out of the, the firing line for a couple of games. Um, mm-hmm. and get I, I just think Carol Iting links the play better. I think yeah. Town needs to rediscover a little bit of creativity. I think using Iting as, as an outball to platform the players ahead of him would work. And I just think I think the problem is in the middle town have got to be very easy to play against again. I, I, mm-hmm. I actually don't disagree with either of your shouts. This is this is the thing I do think they yeah. need to change a couple of things. But uh, yeah, I think I think I would definitely be looking at that midfield and wondering how we get a little bit, how we get the best Lewis O'Brien back to his best and how we get a little bit more from it, if I'm
1: honest. Yeah, I think Aiton's a good shout. And the other thing is if you are going to play three at the back or if you are going to play 4-4-2, I think it's evident that Carlos wants to play two up top in, in certain mm. situations but I don't think he I mean I don't think he particularly trusts Jordan Rhodes at the moment I mean I, I don't, think- I don't I, the problem <laughs> the problem is it's
0: like <laughs> it's weird isn't it because we're almost saying that Danny Ward is almost too good at what he does when we yeah, say this but Basically, he is so perfect for what Corbin wants from that role that it's almost impossible for anybody else in the squad to just drop into that role and be able to do the same things so I think the problem is that Rhodes is so wildly different you know mm-hmm. they're like, they like they'd so few similarities that you have to play in a different way and they don't work as a two either because they don't do the same things I think you have to compromise Ward who is the one you don't yeah, really want to issue. compromise it to play him as a two so yeah, that, that that is a bit of an issue and I don't think he's found a 2 that works. He's tried Lewis up there which was okay, but again, I don't think it gets the best from Town's best game. player. It was against yeah
1: because he wanted him in the
0: press. And I think Sauber is a good out ball. It was it was very it it worked, let's be honest. It worked for 65 minutes against West Brom
1: and it worked against Birmingham as well. And it, really yeah, well. and
0: it worked against Birmingham, but uh, again, is is it getting the best from Zorba Thomas? Is it where you want him? At? I don't know. So, yeah, I I don't. That's where think I think Pippa could make a massive there. difference.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. you know, he's as I say, it's been poor. So, <laughs> the, this is the issue. There's there's a lot of I think for all I've sort of ranted on about the personnel. I think you think about what Pippa and Josh Garoma and Carol Lighting can do on paper, and Tino Andrian as well, by the way. Mm. you think about what they can do on paper and then you look at what they actually have done on the pitch and there is quite a big difference between those two things in Carlos Corcoran's defence there. So, yeah, the, it, it does depend how those players do. But, yeah, I think... I don't know. The, 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 it, the, I think we're
0: both at the same point of view, which is that I think it's probably time to tinker a little bit. It, it's, yeah. time to, it's time to change something. More than anything else, just to... If, if for no other reason, just to fire a shot across the bows of everybody else to show that their place in the team isn't, you know, yeah. completely like he, assured, and
1: like you did with Ruffles and Toffolo at Sheffield United, yeah. for instance. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, they they have a busy week coming up. I, I would be aiming at. I don't. Carl. I know Carlos likes to go game by game, but I would almost be. I don't know, far be for me to tell him how to do his job, but I would almost be plotting out those loot and Q- plotting out the next four games because you've got Hull who are a weaker team there. They're a team that you can maybe play best 11 against them. And, and you know, you need to get a win there, obviously. And then Luton, and QPR and Middlesbrough, you play them, the three of them in the space of eight days. I would almost be treating those games as a chunk and saying these, this is my selection for each of the three games. And you can, mm. obviously you can change your mind. You know, if, if, you know, I don't know, Jordan Rhodes comes into the side against Luton and scores a hat-trick, then obviously you keep him in on the Friday against Middlesbrough, against QPR, but I almost think he I, he doesn't, from what he says at least, maybe he's uh, playing a bit of, you know, gamesmanship here, but Colbrand only looks game by game, he doesn't look at his selection mm-hmm. for sort of two games ahead, and I feel like with that Luton, QPR, Middlesbrough in eight days, I feel like he maybe he has to, and... Yeah. Well, it's know.
0: it's eight days that's that I like not to sound dramatic, but it's eight days that is genuinely going to define the season. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: And that's assuming they beat Hull, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, so which it's, we can't it's assume. Kind of
0: important it's kind of an important period uh, but I also think that maybe you have to you have to potentially pick one of those games likely the Luton or Middlesbrough game as well where you you know I'm going to say it again I don't really mean this but maybe you do have to go a little bit ugly in one of those games and change the system and be a bit defensive and and potentially try and pick them off on the counter regardless of whether you're playing home or away um, but I th- I think it's that, it's that phrase we used last season in a very damning way that They've altered a lot this season, but it's just getting back to asking those different questions instead of being too easy to play against. That's that's what they need to do. Having you know, having a Sorber Thomas can hurt you one side, a Dwayne Holmes coming inside and playing as a pro at ten asking a different question, Lewis running from mm-hmm. deep and asking a different question, your wing backs doing different roles each side, making it difficult for defenders to pick them up. They need to just get back to all those things that have got them to this point that's the that's the
1: issue yeah well and I think the other thing we're mixing things up is it obviously it makes them less predictable I don't yeah. think they have they have been much too predictable the last two games you know I could almost I won't do but I could play a Gary Rowett uh post-match press conference and he just he went he almost ran through the list and just explained everything they'd done tactically and why and apart from the the sort of the the shape of the, the back the back going a back three instead of a back four he'd sort of anticipated everything <laughs> that mm. tam were going to throw at them and, and good managers will do that and so will scott parker so <laughs>
0: yeah a lovely little bit of shade a <laughs> lovely little bit of shade
1: um no so yeah massive couple of weeks q a next week dave yeah i think so yeah international break isn't it and yeah speaking of the international break not to sort of sound desperate or like we're not doing our jobs because i do have a list of uh story ideas written on a whiteboard next to my desk but we have one game in the next 22 days we've got a lot of newspaper and a lot of website to fill if there's anything you listeners want us to write about anything that you want us to go into or anything you said that you want us to expand on in a piece hit us up on twitter because we're uh we're all up for ideas especially at the moment um <laughs> when we've got yeah. got so much still- time to fill
0: Steve's covering the week I'm working over the weekend so yeah if there's anything you want us to either of us specifically to have a look at uh, yeah far away can he even do something jointly we have yeah. the time
1: yeah so uh, I'm at Stephen Chicken on Twitter you're at David Hartrick on Twitter thank you for listening everyone we'll see you next time bye 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 <laughs>